This is no April Fool's joke. Our March membership campaign was so successful that we're extending it through the entire month of April. Enjoy 50% off the regular monthly or annual membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code NOFOOLING, one word, to receive 50% off our regular membership price of $50 per year or $5 per month. Members receive access to bonus content, an ad-free listening experience, exclusive blog posts, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. This is a limited time offer, so act now. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code NOFOOLING to receive 50% off. Thank you. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, coming to you on um, a weekend here in Washington, D.C., where it's rainy and horrible. Um, But we have two sunny personalities here to lift our spirits. Um, uh, the beginning with the uh, Washington's most famous purveyor of hopium, Simon Rosenberg, the man who called the last election right. Um, how you doing, Simon? I'm good. It's great to see you again, David. Very good to see you. Um, and also the always sunny David Corn of Mother Jones. How you doing, David? Okay, and I'm I'm not sure I've always I've been called sunny before, but um <laughs> I'm certainly not as sunny as Simon is. <laughs> no one is. We 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 all sort of hold up our hands and warm them to Simon's glow. <laughs> um well let me offer a kind of a Simon-esque uh mixed uh take on this past week. Uh, th- th- during this course of this week, we have seen all sorts of news developments, some of which have shown the Republican Party lurching ever more extremely to the right, uh, kicking people out of uh, legislatures who they don't agree with, getting into battles with cartoon characters they don't agree with, um, uh, passing uh, legislation that is ever more extreme, um, uh, uh the, the week ended with uh, the North Carolina legislature clearing the way for more uh, gerrymandering. Um, and at the same time, even as they do that, we also have seen a whole bunch of stories that show that the leader of the Republican Party, uh, Donald Trump, is in deeper and deeper hot water. Uh, this week, we saw his vice president uh, go and testify before the grand jury. Well, we didn't see it, but we know it happened. Um, we saw him getting in deeper and deeper into a whole lot of other kind of legal trouble. Um, and yet the polls of the week um, show us that um, uh, with all of these developments, Donald Trump's lead uh, is getting bigger and bigger among Republicans. Um, they're more and more committed to the extreme path they are on. Um, 
And I would like you, Simon, to tell me why that's good news. <laughs> well, the good news of the week was the very strong launch uh, of the Biden campaign. Um, I was really impressed with both their initial video and the story they're telling, and then the first ad that they put up, which I thought was really, you know, at the upper end of what we could have hoped. I mean, David, this is exactly the kind of stuff I think you would have wanted out of the Biden world, setting up this framework of freedom and democracy as sort of the defining contrast in the election. You know, his ad was his ad was full of iconic American images, American flag, courage, optimism. I thought what we saw this week was a really strong, confident, capable, bold rollout from the Biden campaign. And I also think it's really important they got going. I mean, people are ready to go to work and they've let everybody know that it's time. And so I think that for all of the the troubles, the uglies, and the things that continue to go on on the right, which are significant and serious, and we can't discount them. You know, our side came out of 2022 really strong. Um, Biden uh, is, I think, off in a very sure-footed and capable and competent way. And I think the question of whether he was going to bring it and have the energy in the fight, I mean, I think they resolved that this week. I mean, they've already got a second round of ads going up next week. They're expanding states. I mean, they're going. And we needed that. I think we all needed to get behind something to go push back against all the stuff that we're seeing. So the other good news of the week was the ending of Tucker Carlson's reign at Fox, which is a cause of national celebration um, as the greatest launderer of Russian disinformation into the American discourse in our history. It, this is good news. So there was some good news, David, out there this week to offset the, the less good news. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that. I agree with you, by the way. I thought that the Biden kickoff, particularly the parts of it that said the other side is the enemy of uh, freedom and democracy in this country, which cuts to a whole host of issues. It's a way of saying they want to take away abortion rights. They want to take away the right of people to love the people who they love. Uh, they want to uh, impose their will on us, and they are trying to gut democracy at the same time. I think that's a very strong message. Um, uh, David, uh, one of the things that the sort of media liked to dwell on was a bunch of polls that showed, oh, you know, people aren't that enthusiastic about Biden, or they're not that enthusiastic about Trump. But within that poll, uh, or within that realm, uh, there was a poll that showed that uh, among those people who weren't enthusiastic about either candidate, uh, Biden um, out polled Trump something like four or five to one. Um, in other words, it matters who you're running against. Um, and, and Biden certainly seems to... Uh, have the good fortune of of running likely running against somebody terrible or as an alternative to that somebody else terrible <laughs> well yes i mean sometimes all that matters is who you're running against um depending on on the nature of the race you know um i don't disagree with anything simon says i am a less you know a, a, a half empty type of guy though. And so, I mean, well, well, it's true that the Biden campaign, you know, looks strong and he's had some good public appearances. I mean, I still think there are, you know, there will be issues, you know, about age and his own personal verve and, and ability, which is, is natural and, and it should be. And, but again, if he's up against Trump, 
that issue uh, becomes, you know, somewhat mooted because Trump has many of the same uh, liabilities. Um, at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, David, we see the Republican Party, you know, swerving even further to the right. It's like two wheels are off the side of the cliff. And now they're putting three wheels off the side of the cliff. You know, remember when the Dobbs decision came down uh, almost a year ago, uh, the Republicans are out there saying, oh, no, 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 this isn't about banning abortion. This is about giving it to the states, giving it to the states. We know we're not going to. They didn't want to be seen as the banners of abortion. That is Republican elected officials. And when Lindsey Graham came out and called for a 15 week uh, federal ban, they all said, get the, you know what, out of here. Get, stop talking, Lindsay. We don't want that. That's not for the party. And yet now, a few months later, Ron DeSantis, a six-week ban. Uh, Tim Scott, 15-week ban. I mean, they're all kind of moving to that position. You talked about what happened in North Carolina, where they're kind of reinforcing gerrymandering down there. And I believe, I think it's in the state of Missouri, this just came across the transom meaning Twitter um, a few hours ago, they're tr they're passing a, a state law that, that will make it harder for Democrats to pass state referenda. And by that, you need, the law says that you need 57% statewide to pass something, or 50% if you also get 50% in five out of eight congressional districts. But the congressional districts are gerrymandered to favor Republicans. So under this, this is a cockamamie law. So that if you're a Democrat, you need 57% to pass the state referendum. And if you're Republican, you need 50%. And yeah, it's just a Missouri, it's kind of wonky. But what it indicates to me is that Republicans are going all out on what you have to call political apartheid. They are a minority party. Their positions on guns, climate change, abortion, um, taxing the rich are minority positions. If you look at the national elections, you know, the last couple, they can't get a majority and they only went to the Electoral College. So they need to gerrymander not just congressional districts. They need to rig wherever they can to try to get minority power for uh, for themselves. And that's going to continue to happen. They're becoming more and more extreme. Uh, Donald Trump. Yesterday, I believe it was, appraised one of the January 6th uh, defendants who has on her Facebook page or some social media page called for executing members of Congress. So, yes, I think this makes, you know, makes for good electoral politics for Democrats. It's, they can exploit all this. At the same time, I worry that as crazy as the Republican Party is, it's still guaranteed to start with 40 percent of the vote, Simon, right? And so... You know, a party this extreme should not even be that close. Thus, is that's that's I worry, despite all the other dynamics that you went through. Go on, Simon, make him feel better. <laughs> well, listen, my I've been calling for us the cycle to try to get to 55, I call it, which is recognizing that they've moved further and further away from normie voters in the mainstream. And for us to have an ambition like Man on the Moon, where we're saying we're not going to settle to get to 51 and have it be another close election. Let's just try to blow it out, like make it a goal and aspiration. 
and I lay out on my Substack, you know, some of the ways that we can think about how to get to fifty-five. How do how do people find your Substack? Simon? Just type in Simon Rosenberg and Substack is the easiest way, and into Google, into the Google, and it's also Hopium Chronicles is the, my fun name that I'm having with it. How do, and, how do they find yours, David? I just want to. Yeah, I, I don't. My newsletter is not a Substack, but you go to davidcorn.com and we'll take you to a page for a free sign up. I just want to be fair here. Okay, go ahead. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. But I think the get to 55 idea is that, you know, we're strong. We had a great election. We had a third election in a row where sort of we performed at the upper level of what was possible for us in that specific election. And I think we, if we try to do that again this time, we should be shooting to get to 55 and really try to blow the election out. We need this election to be seen as a repudiation of MAGA. It is critical in order to loosen the dark grip of MAGA on the Republican Party to start winning elections by big margins, not having them be so small. And I think the Republicans, by their ever-increasing extremism, have given us opportunity to go claim rhetorical, political, I mean, rhetorical, geographic, and demographic space that they've abandoned. And you've seen Biden taking back some of the rhetorical space around the flag and around uh, patriotism and optimism and freedom and all this stuff that traditionally felt a little bit more Republican or Reagan-esque, right? Now we can go take, I think, demographic and geographic um, wins and take territory away like we just did in Wisconsin, right? I mean, we just, in Wisconsin a few weeks ago, fired up Democratic base, tons of money, got to 55% in a key battleground state took away some you know, political real estate from them. We've got a big election in, in Florida on May 16th, the largest city in Florida, Jacksonville. We can flip that in, in DeSantis's hometown. It'd be a huge win for us. So that we've got to be bold, David. I think last cycle, and I was on with you a lot last time, last cycle, was Democrats were in a defensive crouch. We were down. We were worried and nervous. Now I think we have to approach our politics confident and strong. Our, we've have, Joe Biden's been a good president. The country's better off. The Democratic Party is strong. We've got to look for expansion and growth, not just to play it safe. And, and I think it starts with the National Youth Voter Registration Drive. It is critical that we take the por portion of the population that votes for us the most and make sure, that, but who vote the least. <laughs> we need them to vote more. And we can do that. It's within our power. And I've been calling for this for the last few months. And there's a lot of national discourse now around the need to really drive the youth vote through the roof, given everything. You know, what's, interesting on that point, what's interesting yeah. in that point, Simon, is that in some way the Republicans agree with you. We've seen in the last uh, couple of days, last couple of weeks, that they want to intensify their uh, effort to make it hard for college kids to vote. I say yep. kids, young adults, which has always been an issue with them. They've always have fought this. You know, if you're in a state you know, uh, for, for college, they claim you're not a resident. You should be a resident where if you're a dependent, where your parents pay taxes. And if you, and they often make sure to have a small number of voting machines on college campuses. And they've always done that. But in the last couple of weeks, we've seen internal strategists for the Republican Party get caught talking very explicitly how this is now a number one priority for them because they do see the demographics. And you've also, you know, rhetorically have seen prominent Republicans come out like, like Kellyanne Conway and oh God, someone else recently who said we got it. Oh, I think it was John uh, Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire this week, 
saying we got to start appealing to the young people. You know, we got to you know let them know what we stand for. Well, I think the young people have figured that out. You know, on guns, climate change, and women's freedom, which are probably the three top issues for young adults. The Republicans have made it abundantly clear where they stand for, so, uh, what, they, what, what they stand for. So I, I don't know why they're out there even, you know, trying to address this matter. It only calls attention to what I think are their greatest deficits. Hence, the people behind the cameras, behind the scenes, plotting, scheming, conniving to try to make it harder for young adults, uh, particularly college students, to vote. You know, Simon, it seems like we're in a race in this country. The minority that David is talking about here, the MAGA right, recognize that they are increasingly outnumbered uh, and that as young people come onto the system, they're going to be even more so. And that their chance at winning a fair and square election is over. And so they got to gerrymander more. They got to suppress the vote more. They've got to um, pack the courts to rule in their favor more. They've got to do everything they can to lock in their ability to control the country with a minority. And by the way, they have the advantage that the Constitution gives them a bit of an edge in that regard. Um, uh, before this majority gets us to 55, as you describe it, is 55 in 24? actually doable it is in my mind and and I, i'll give you a couple stats i mean from 1992 to 2004 we averaged 47 percent of the vote in those four elections and then in the from between 2005 and 2008 we leaned into a new coalition of hispanics and millennials who were starting to be uh, show up in our electorate in much larger numbers and in those four elections since we've averaged 51 percent of the vote so we jumped four points um, from now millennials leaning, seem old to us, right? I know. And leaning into a, a new demographic reality and a new possibility. Well, I think we're in the same place now. I think it's not exactly, it's analogous. It's not the same. It's an analogous place where there are demographic opportunities that we have. There are, and I think the four groups where we can make substantial gains potentially this cycle are young people. And there's a little bit of overlap in this, but young people, we can reclaim a little bit of the Hispanic vote that we've dropped off. The never MAGA, never Trumpers, particularly if Trump is the nominee, there could be lots more Republicans we could go get who are horrified at what's happened to their party. And I think the politics of abortion, we've only just begun to figure out how to take advantage of that. And it's still kind of a new thing. And we're still learning our way through it. And I think together, if we go drill into these four areas, we can get up to 55. Remember, David, in 2022, which was supposed to be a bad election for us, we got to 59 in Colorado, 57 in Pennsylvania, 55 in Michigan, 54 in New Hampshire. We just got to 55 in Wisconsin. This is a doable thing. I mean, we just did it, right, in an election that was supposed to be bad for us. And so part of this is building campaigns and designing how we do our politics, not to reposition, as some in our party have called for, but to expand. And I think that this is a different mindset for us. And I think it's the required mindset we have to have to deal with that race that you're describing, right? We have to go big. And I think by doing a national voter registration drive for young people, that can affect every state in the country, right? That's pushing young youth participation up in all 50 states, which could put some other states that are not in play today, maybe in play. It also could make 
some of the power Republicans have in some of these states far less. And so you're right. I mean, we've got a lot of work to do here and we've got to be bold and ambitious. We've got to go for it because the country's counting on us to make sure that we don't drift into this illiberal reactionary politics that David has been so articulate in describing. Well, let me let me ask a question, uh, a series of questions about the how do you do that? But David, I, f- I first want to flag one thing and I would like you to um, uh, offer your view on it. Um, you know, one of the things that people say is, well, to, in order to do this, the Democrats need to move more towards the center. Um, now, you know, I, I personally think the center is what we used to call progressive. They're, most of the issues that we identify as progressive are embraced by a supermajority in the United States. But to try to take advantage of, you know, and 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 some people say the way to reach the center is to avoid a polarizing, you know, the polarizing politics of today. And this has led to a scam that is out there right now, which is called um, no labels. And the oh. scam is, you know, let's go out and we, we're not going to get caught up in this. And, and, and we're ostensibly selling the center and, and no more polarization. But actually, they're a Republican stalking horse funded by Republicans in large part that will, you know, be designed to cut a few votes away from Democrats run by a bunch of ex-Democrats who used to be colleagues I, I, I have to acknowledge of Simon and mine back in the day when sort of third way Democrats um, uh, were, were kind of the thing. Um, to talk about it a little bit in your views. Yeah, right now my impulse is that this is not going to cause much of a problem and that it will flame out. It's an elite, you know, well-funded, but an elite effort to try to generate a political movement that doesn't exist and really doesn't have uh, the ability to to energize people. You know, if, if at the end of the day they get someone on the ballot, whether it's, you know, a Russ Pro character or someone else, um, they claim he's a centrist, um, you know, it, 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 that could have an impact. But uh, I'm not sure they're they're going to get that far. I mean, it, it gets to like the, the larger issue is like, you know, politics, like all human endeavors, is about storytelling. Humans are driven by stories, their own story, the uh, external stories, and this whole narrative that, you know, that the center has always liked to have, and that actually mainstream media have often, and even still to this day, uh, uh, bolster, is that there, you know, there's a left, there's a right, there's Democrats and the Republicans, and they both go too far, and we got to, you know, compromise, and, you know, you know the essence of, of both-siderism, right? And that doesn't play when one side is trying to overturn the constitution and the other side isn't. Um, I think on some of the key issues that are motivating, particularly young people that Simon wants to target, you know, climate change and, and guns and, 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 and reproductive rights. Again, this, you know, one side's too far, both sides are too far. There's the middle also doesn't really play since, as you just noted, there are supermajority consensuses that are left to center, if we're going to call it that, of uh, consensuses about common sense gun, uh, gun measures, gun safety measures, doing something about climate change and not outlawing all abortion. So um, I think, that, you know, you know, and, and Biden, you know, who 
you know, won the Democratic primary in 2020 as the most non-lefty member of the pack um, is certainly no, you know, no Antifa radical, despite what Donald Trump says in his direct mail pieces that I get several times a day. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, they're using this stale and phony framing to try to create uh, a demand for a movement in which I don't think there is such a demand. And it's quite dangerous because as we've all noted, this is a moment in time when the battle lines are not ideological, they're they're constitutional. Are you for democracy or against it? You know, do you believe in free and fair elections or do you not? Uh, and 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 thus, you know, I see it as a popular front moment where anybody who allies in favor of democracy and and, and the rule of law, whether it's um, Simon Rosenberg and 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 Bill Crystal. That you know, we, we join together to save the country from this, you know, fascistic MAGA threat to its very essence. So um, I'm hoping through uh, that, that these guys will be like Quibi, um, just like a tremendous, a lot of money spent, no results. Uh, I don't see a constituency for it, and I and, and there every other week there's a news story exposing some scandalous element of this project and i hope that continues and eventually they they're like the um uh the knight in monty python uh who says come back come back the black knight after all his limbs have been cut off yeah yeah well hopefully that'll be the case okay simon uh, and further into this uh path you know how do we get to 55 in 24 um the the question um, and, and this is, the you know, kind of, I guess it's a classic journalistic question because it's like oversimplify this to the point of ridiculousness. But there are the kind of three pitches that I hear people make for the Democrats. One is we're not them. They're the enemy. We're not them. Two, we are who we are. We believe in these following things. This is, you know, our values. And three, look at all the good work we've done governing. You know, we've got these policies. Um, and the question is, you know, what's the Democrat elevator pitch that works in the environment we're likely to see in the next year and a half? Well, you know, it, it, what's interesting is that Biden is starting to, you know, they spend a lot of money in research um, and they're starting to articulate that. David. And I think that they began with this fundamental frame of freedom. And that we are for more freedom and they're for less. And I think it's very powerful. And the reason I think it's so powerful is that the fear of MAGA has been the central driving force of our politics in the last three elections. It's the thing that is causing all these people to give money and to do all the hard work and candidates who, ne who never thought they'd run for office declaring to run as proud patriots. And Biden just went right into that, right? He went right into that emotional core that is so powerful right now in this country, the anti-MAGA majority that is terrified about their country slipping away. And I think it was brilliant, I mean, and bold and unexpected. I mean, I think people really expected more of a conventional, hey, I'm for, you know, like what you were saying, right? Like, hey, we passed infrastructure and prescription drugs and the traditional kind of box checking ads that we're also used to seeing. That's not what he did. And he went right into this 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 fear uh, for you know that people have about the country slipping away, 
And he's and he said, "Our my mission now is to finish the job." And you know, so he told us the answer to your question, right? Which is that he's going to make the their radicalization, um, you know, the central driving conversation we're going to have, and it should be because it's the biggest issue in our politics. And so I'm proud of them for not walking up to the line and not going there because a lot of the consulting class in our family has been very much like, no, you got to stick in kitchen table issues. And, and he didn't do that. And he got ridiculed last year, right? When he tried to do this before the election and they had a slightly weird event, but then the message and narrative was strong. I do think though, that this framework story, as David says, because every election is about stories is that they're going to fill in the details on what he's done and what he wants to do, right? And and I think what's interesting to me, and I was in some meetings in the White House yesterday where I got to hear some people talk about all this, is that they're very conscious that they can't just run on what they've done. They've got to make it very clear about what he's going to do as well. And and so I think they're going to do all of that, David. (laughs) Those three things that you suggested, I think they're going to do all of those things. And I think they're going to have a lot of money and we've got time. And there's a lot of things, there's going to be a lot of filling in. The ads next week, for example, I've heard are going to be about economic issues, right? There's not the current run of ads that they're running. And so they're coming out of the box confident and strong, and they feel good about, you know, they feel good about where they are, but nobody's under any illusion that this is not going to be a hard and tough election and that Trump is going to be, you know, I'm assuming Trump's the nominee. He's got a real campaign around him this time. They've got serious professionals producing already high quality media. He may be worse and he may be crazier and he may be more obviously a serial criminal, but I think we should expect a higher level of performance of the actual campaign than we saw last time. And you've even seen it in the way that he's getting all these endorsements and sort of routing DeSantis on the endorsements. The blocking and tackling of getting endorsements takes a lot of work. It's what a campaign does. And they're excelling at it right now. So I think his campaign is going to be superior to the last time, even if he's more of a degraded public figure than he was last time. Well, I think that's a, a big issue. No, no, I'd like to come to you in a second. We've got about 10 minutes here to go, uh, which is normally when we say bye-bye to the general public and uh, encourage them to go and become a member by going to the DSR network, clicking on membership and uh, dedicating something like $5 a month to listening to all of our expanding roster podcasts. And I really want to encourage you to do that because, you know, I don't have a sub stack. This is what I got. So, you know, go, no, go, go, go it, go and do that. Cause that'll help enable us to keep doing it. Um, uh, for those of you in the public, Thanks very much. And you really should want to hear what's coming next. Uh, For those of you who remember, stand by. We'll pick up in a moment. 